Father God, as we continue just to worship you this morning, Lord, just hear the cry of our hearts as we say we love you. And we are thankful for that incredible gift of salvation that you have given to us through the death of our Lord and Savior Jesus on the cross. And so, Father God, as we just are gathered here this morning, receive our prayer, our praise, our worship, uh, our very lives. Lord, as we go into a time of just listening to the words that you have for us, pray, Father, for listening ears, and that your Holy Spirit will accomplish all that you would like to do this morning with us. And we give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. The title this morning is, How is Your Love Life? Now, I probably should quickly define what I mean by that. We've decided, uh, Gareth and the elders, that for these next seven weeks, we would like to go through chapters 2 and 3 of Revelations. So it's the letters to those seven churches. And so our first one is to the church in Ephesus. But actually, this question is a very important question for us. When I say to you, how is your love life? This probably is the most important, significant, deep question I can ask you. Because God said, summing up everything that he has given to us in his holy word, he summarized it with two commandments that we call the great commandments. That we love him. And we love one another. And so when we ask that question, it is the most significant question because it's the very thing that God has said, if you're going to get something right, get this right. You need to be people of love. And that is going to be our question this morning because that was the question that was given to the church in Ephesus. So as we begin our journey through these seven churches. Let's just start in chapter 1 and verse 4. John to the seven churches that are in Asia. I believe that as John is talking to these seven churches, he is going to write a very specific letter to the church in Ephesus and to the church in uh, Philadelphia and the other churches. But those messages are not just for them. Because Jesus gave to John this revelation to present in totality to each church. And actually, as Jesus is outlining the future, it's for us today. Brothers and sisters, you want to know how the world ends? Turn to the end of the book. Amazing that God has already explained to us What's going to happen in the end times? And he's been doing it all through the Old Testament and into the New Testament. But as Jesus is talking to these seven churches, as this is a a book of revelation, it is a book for us today. 
and it is a book for all time. It is for us to look and see what was he saying to each of those churches because each of the items that he deals with is an issue that will be attacking his church over the generations. And so as we look at this first one, we need to glean what is the issue that they were dealing with that we could be dealing with. And so as he writes these seven letters, he says, in the beginning, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come. And from the seven spirits who are before his throne, And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of kings on earth. Grace to you, grace to us, peace to us from God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, our triune God who is involved in giving us this incredible revelation and in giving us this salvation. He begins the book by putting in picture who our God is. And then he goes on to talk about the good news to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom, priest to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with the clouds. And every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so, amen. And here in these few little verses, we have that thing we call the gospel, that thing we call the good news. It is this God who loves us, who sent the Lord Jesus Christ to take our place on the cross. By his blood, we have been set free. And he has taken us from darkness. He's put us into light. We are now part of a kingdom, part of a family, part of a people of God with an incredible hope that Jesus is coming back. This snippet of the good news, the gospel, we've been focusing on really for months. Do you know why? (laughs) because it keeps coming up in the text of the Bible that we keep studying. This is what God wants us to understand. How precious is that good news? Will you see it when you actually go out and you interact with other people? Just this last week, I was meeting with an Arab friend of mine I've known for years, close friend, And it was tough. It was emotionally tough. Because as he was talking about his life, he says, I'm so lonely. He said, there is so many things in my life I have done I know are wrong. And before a God, I'm wrong. He has no community 
He is so afraid. Kevin, I am so fearful of everything. And you stretch out this meeting that was probably two and a half hours, and the amount of time we actually talked was probably 20 minutes. And the rest of the time was just sitting in silence and the tears in his eyes. And I said to him, you don't have pace because you don't know the prince of pace. You're not going to find it in a house of worship. He says, I know, you go to a house of worship and all it is is gymnastics. That's what he said, up and down, up and down. And I said, that's because we are not designed for that. We are designed for a living, loving relationship with Almighty God. And peace doesn't come through things that we do. Peace comes through a person. Hope comes through a person. Do you know how much you are loved? God created you, I told him. You are loved by God. I love you. It is a love that God has created, and we are to dwell in that kind of love. But you have to understand, you have to receive that kind of love. And at the end of these two hours, this is what he said. Kevin, I know you believe that. I just don't get it. I just don't get it. And I think the hard part for me, going away, one is, brothers and sisters, God is not done with this man yet. <laughs> but going away, looking into his eyes, the depth of his pain and loneliness, and I know he was walking out of that meeting hopeless, not being able to see a way forward, not being able to see a future not knowing that he is loved and forgiven through the Lord Jesus Christ because he has not accepted that. And I saw that difference between those of us who have been found by God and experienced that great salvation and those that, that are in darkness that are just struggling to see it. And here at the beginning of this mighty work that God has given us of revelation. He is pointing out our incredible triune God, Father, Son, and Spirit, working together, loving creation to draw them to themselves, as displayed right here in this short snippet of the gospel. People, I know we talk about it, and you may say, I've heard this before, but this is what will be life and death for our friends around us. Life and death. And you and I have that incredible blessing of knowing what it means to go to bed at night, put our heads on the pedal, and sleep with peace. Because we know where we stand before Almighty God. That if we die tonight, whatever happens to us, it doesn't matter because our God loves us. We've been forgiven. We will be with him forever. So John is saying that as he moves in now to the churches. 
as we come to look at these seven letters. God has chosen to structure these letters pretty much in the same way. For the most part, all seven letters are the same. It starts out with a commission to the angel of this church. Then it talks about the character, the description of Christ. It gives the commendation where Jesus is saying, I know your works. Then it gives the condemnation, but I have this against you. It gives then the correction, where is the command to change, the call. He who has an ear, listen to what's being said. And then this challenge to him who will overcome. Here is this, this structure that is the same. Now this structure, you can see it all starts with C's. I got this from one of the commentaries. I thought, oh, that's really cool, the C's. Maybe it'll help you remember. It's not going to help me remember, because if I think of C, I'll think of coffee and candy and but maybe it will help you to remember, here is this flow that we will be looking at for the next seven weeks. So as we start, what is he going to say to this church? And as we think of that, maybe put it in this perspective, what would Jesus say to us? What would Jesus say in our appraisal, in our evaluation? How are we doing as a community. Well, they got to hear it straight from him. And so he begins in chapter 2 and verse 1. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands. And so here we have two things. We have this description of Jesus and we have this this uh, direction to the angel of the church. Who is the angel of the church? The angel, that word, is basically means messenger. That's what it means, messenger. And so when you look in the Gospels, you will see that John the Baptist is a messenger. When John the Baptist sends his disciples to talk to Jesus, they were messengers. And then we have these heavenly beings that will come to us who are messengers, which we have angels. So I think what he's talking about, the angel of the church, I thought, what he, I think what he's talking about is that in his hand are the men that he has called and ordained and given the gifts and given the authority and the responsibility to shepherd. And then there is the description of the Lord Jesus Christ who is walking amongst the lampstands. So there is this sense where, where Jesus is saying, your leader is in my hand, and I'm walking amongst you. I'm walking in and out between the chairs right now in this place. I know everything about you because this is mine. This is in my name, this community, this church. And then he goes on. Jesus, who is all-knowing, and he says, let me tell you about you in Ephesus. Verse 2, I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have taste tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and found them to be false. 
I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary. Brothers and sisters, this is an incredible list of Jesus commending this church. They were working hard for Jesus. They were toiling. They were persevering, maybe under some kind of persecution. This was a group of people who would test anyone who came in to say something. They wanted to be doctrinally pure. They wanted to hold to the traditions and the words that had been passed on down through the apostles. So much of what this church was doing was so good. And this church had a history. Paul, around 53 to 56 AD, lived in Ephesus and ministered amongst them. He visited them later on in his missionary journeys in AD 57. He wrote to them the letter to the church in Ephesus around 60 to 63 AD. And so there's this long history of input from the Apostle Paul. And we know that Timothy spent a lot of time there. We know that John spent a lot of time there. Church history tradition tells us that actually Mary, the mother of Jesus, also was there and actually died there. John is writing about 95 AD. The church started around 53 A.D., 40 years. That's important because the generations are changing now. So Christ has said to them all of these commendable things, and then he comes to verse 4. But I have this against you that you have abandoned the love that you had at first think about that abandoned forsaken ceased stopped this is the church leon morris in his commentary, says this about this verse 4. He says, forsaken is a strong term. They had completely abandoned their first fine flush of enthusiastic love. They had yielded to the temptation ever present to Christians to put all their emphasis on sound teaching. In the process, they lost love, without which all else is nothing. Robert Mounson, his commentary on this verse says, good works and pure doctrine are not adequate substitutes for that rich relationship of mutual love shared by persons who have just experienced the redemptive love of God. 
the Ephesian church had left its first love. The expression includes both love of God and love of mankind at large, but seems to refer mainly to their love for one another. So then he goes on. And he gives his response to that loss of love. But I just want to pause here and review that list. Because it's, it's a little disturbing to me. Because if we go back and we look down through and we see that there can be believers, people that say they love Jesus, people that are fellowshipping together, they can work hard for Jesus and do it without love. They can toil for Jesus, but without love. They can be rock solid in their doctrine, but hold that without love. I remember Chuck Swindle saying to the students at Dallas Theological Seminary, you have right doctrine here, but don't be ugly with it. He was talking about love. I know personally for me, holding the right doctrine, being able to share that, it is so important, but not without love. I remember preaching up in, in uh, UCCD up in Dubai, and I remember saying something, and what I said was 100% correct. And when I said it, it was like the Holy Spirit inside me started to just groan. That was not for me. And when I looked at the faces of the people, they were groaning and their countenance fell. And I realized that what I said was the wrong thing at the wrong time in the wrong situation. There was no love in it. What we do is important. How we do it is just as important, if not more important. So we can have pure doctrine, we can, we can persevere, we can be patient, we can work so hard and we can miss everything of what Jesus is all about. And so Jesus says to them three commands, verse 5. He says the first one, remember therefore, remember therefore from where you have fallen. Repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Those are shocking words.
Jesus is saying, no matter you do all of these things, if you don't have love, I personally will shut you down. And you think about it. What what is a lampstand? Remember, Jesus is walking amongst the lampstands, and here is this lampstand. And the lampstands are designed to give light. And I think that's why that imagery is used, is that God's love gets poured into our hearts and then it overflows and it goes out to other people. God's light comes into our hearts, flows out to other people, and that's what the lampstands. You put the lampstands up so they give light to people. That's how we're designed, to give God's love and to give God's light. And if we're not doing that, then all that the lampstand is, is a hunk of metal designed like a lampstand. It gives no light. It gives no warmth. It becomes useless. And you just take it and you just go put it in the corner. And so Jesus giving these incredible words to this church that has such a tremendous history. And so then he goes on in verse 6. He says, yet this you have. You hate the works of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. God does hate. He hates sin. He hates arrogance and pride. He hates false meetings and and." false type of sacrifices that's mentioned in the Old Testament. And then he says in verse 7, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The Holy Spirit given to us, the role of the Holy Spirit to teach us, to rebuke us, to challenge us, to lead us, to guide us. Jesus is saying, listen to the Spirit when the Spirit is speaking to you. And when the Holy Spirit is challenging with you with something, hear it in a way that it goes from here down to here and into your actions. And then he says, to the one who conquers, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God picture of heaven, picture of being with God. He who has an ear, listen. And that's what we need to do right now. We need to, uh, we need to listen. You've noticed there's three chairs here. <laughs> These chairs represent all of us in this room. Some of you are sitting in this chair. And these are people that born again, love Jesus, make mistakes, sin, but ask for forgiveness. They get up in the morning and they say, Lord, today is the day you've made. I'm going to rejoice in this. God, what do you have for me to do today? These people sitting in this chair 
are hungry for God, thirsty for God. And everything about their day and their lives and their decisions, they're seeking God, His direction. And when they sin, they confess because they love Him more than their sin. Some of you are sitting in this chair. Some of you are sitting in this chair. And you would relate to the church in Ephesus. You know what it means to hear the gospel. You've made a commitment to Christ. But the spark is long gone. And when you talk about what God has done in your life, you probably talk about when you came to faith when you were 12 years old. These people, when they talk about what God is doing, they talk about the present or they talk about what God did yesterday. People sitting in this chair, they have to go way back. People in this chair tend to get sidetracked. Waking up in the morning thinking about money or careers. Many of our kids are in this chair. Many of our kids, when the parents have come to a living faith, they are the next generation down. They're, they're years down the road. And people sitting in this chair, they hear stories of what God is doing, but they're not their stories. And they see a disconnect between the joy in their lives and, and the dynamic of a living God working and what's happening in their lives. And they're lukewarm. And there may be some in this chair today of just trying to understand what it means that Jesus died on the cross. You would be like my Arab friend I told you about. You see, the thing about these two chairs, you don't have to stay here. If you are sitting in this chair and you know your love has gone cold, you know that that spark is not, is not there, you know that there's so much more, but you don't have it, you need to get up and move into this chair. And he told us how to do it in the passage. And if you're here this morning and, and you realize I am lonely, I know that I'm a sinner before God, I want to have that relationship that you've been talking about and that was expressed in the passage. Again, you don't have to stay here. You can get up and you can move and be over in this chair. And both of these start with repentance starts with repentance and a desire to want to be over here. A desire. If you could stand with me, I would like to pray. And as I said that all of us here are in one of these chairs, I don't know where you are, but you do, I would just like to pray 
for the people in these different chairs. And it's not just me praying. It's us praying that you would be praying in your situation. You would be coming in this presence of God and dealing with what the Holy Spirit is saying to you. So many times Jesus has said, if you have ears, listen. So brothers and sisters, this is our time to listen what the Spirit would say to you. Father God, I just want to thank you for my brothers and sisters in this first chair. Thank you for their faithfulness. Thank you for their examples. Father, many of them, they love you and, and, and they just are sold out for you. They're not perfect, Lord. They make mistakes, but God, thank you for them. God, I pray in Jesus' name, you would pour out more of your power, more of your love, more of your anointing on them. Father God, that you would open their eyes to see what you are doing in this city and in their neighborhoods. Father God, that you would give them supernatural opportunities to share your word and to pour out your love to those that are around them. Father God, would you give them courage? Father God, would you give them faith? Father God, would you just pour out your joy on them this morning? And God would say to you, well done, my good and faithful servants. Keep going. Don't stop. You're doing the right thing. Father God, for those in this second chair, Lord, I just ask that your Holy Spirit would move amongst us right now in Jesus' name. Lord, if there are people here who that spark is gone and you want them to come back, Lord, would your Holy Spirit touch them right now? Jesus gave us three commands. The first one, remember. Remember, therefore. Where you've fallen, remember that first love. Remember when you came to him and you were so excited to be with him and be in his presence and be in, in his meetings and to, to listen to what he has for you. Remember from where you've fallen on that and now repent. Go to God right now and ask in Jesus' name for just his forgiveness for you forsaking that first love and abandoning that first love. And then commit yourself afresh. Because Jesus said, don't do something different. Keep doing the things you were doing to the Ephesians. Just do it through love. Do it through my power. Ask God for that for you right now. God, would you just pour that out? And now for this third chair, if you're here this morning and you would like to know Jesus, then it's very simple. You just pray a prayer. You can follow this prayer that I pray right now. Lord God, thank you that you sent Jesus to die for me. I know I'm a sinner. I know I've been living my own life. Please forgive me of that. I want to turn from that, and I want to follow you as my Lord and Savior. I want your Holy Spirit to live in me. I want to run after you. Would you fill the hole in my heart and the loneliness and give me the joy and the peace that you promise? Bring me into your family, Father. I ask in Jesus' name. Father God, as we stand before you here, we continue to just ask that 
your Holy Spirit will speak to us in this room. Lord, we want to be your people. We want to be all you've called us to be in this day, in this place. We want to do it only through your love for all of us. God, help us to be people of love. Father, we think of some of the last words the Apostle John said to the church in Ephesus when they would have to literally carry him. He was so old and he was so weak and he would go in and they would say, do you have a word for us? And all he would say is, little children, love one another. Father God, hear our cry. Receive our worship now as we go to you in song. In Jesus' name, amen.